We're going to talk today about keys to reaching youth. How many want to reach out to our young people? These guys are precious. These guys are awesome. I mean, I, I just, I, they're, they're amazing. I look at them and I think, man, they're going to go do some great things. There's some of you, as Amy said, you're not done, but there's a lot of you that feel like you are. And you've got to the point in life to where now you're just going to sit back and you're going to relax and you're just going to let things go. But who's going to do it? We're looking at a generation who is now, they're coming up and they're beginning to pick up and they're beginning to do the things that you used to do. And so we're, we're, we're needing to reach out to more young people and see them come into the kingdom of God because young people are struggling today. And here's some of the struggles that I want to talk to you about are the same struggles that not only young people have, but uh, moms and dads have. Pastors have. We all struggle with the same things because we are human. Everybody's human here, right? Now, I know sometimes dealing with teenagers, I, I do wonder sometimes. Some of them, you know, are a little bit alien, but no, I'm just kidding. But teenagers struggle with loneliness, with feelings of worthlessness, confusion, anger, hurt, meaninglessness, indifference. They have so many needs that go unmet because we look over them and we despise their youth. And we always think and we tell them, someday you're going to do something, someday you're going to do something, but we don't let them do anything. I was looking this morning and the children worshiping and dancing and clapping and, and I, I see so many times and in so many churches that's not allowed because we tell them, Shh, sit down, be quiet, don't move, it, you know, and then all of a sudden we get to an age where they get to be a teenager and then we say, okay, worship God. And they go, I don't know how. I've been told all my life to sit down and shut up. I've not been allowed to do anything. We always tell them that someday they're going to get to do something. When you're old enough, when you get older, when you get older, and all of a sudden they get to that place, and we say, okay, do something. And they go, I don't want to. You see, we've got to begin now. Today is their generation. It's their time. They can do something now. God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And I preached to them on Wednesday night about, or I'm sorry, Friday night, about their generation and their purpose, where David served the purpose of God in his generation. And encourage them to serve the purpose of God in their generation. You see, America's youth, they're facing the darkest hour. We live in a world where they're facing things we never faced. 88% of Americans, uh, 30 million teenagers are unchurched. Never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. 12% who do currently go to church, 80% of those will stop going by the time they're out of high school. We see that happen all the time. We have kids come in and we were reaching them, they're doing good, and all of a sudden before they just disappear and we don't see them anymore. There's a critical turning point. And we see all through the Old Testament, and when things were happening in Israel, when things were happening in the world, amen, God will begin to tell them to pray, amen, for the young people. Pray for a, a new generation coming up. Because if we lose this generation, it doesn't take but one generation to lose God, but it doesn't take a generation but, but just one that can start all over again. There's families who there are no Christians in their families. 
They haven't had their heritage, maybe you have. But then one person gives their heart to the Lord and rises up. And from then, amen, godliness begins to reign in that family. There's others who have served God, loved God. Their mamas and daddies went to church. But then for some reason, they just didn't want to do it. They kind of got a little rebellious, left church, didn't go. And then they had children. And they knew right. They knew God. They knew the Bible. But they didn't teach their children And one generation later, they know nothing about God. And from then on, it's lost. See, it doesn't take but one. We're talking about Malachi 4, 6. said that He would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the Father. Listen, we're praying a Father's blessing on our kids that men will step up and be fathers. Amen. That young people will not only know their natural but their earthly, their heavenly Father. That they would get an experience and a relationship with God. Because 85% of young people that come to Christ come to Him before they're 18 years of age. After that, It's a very small percentage. Now, all over, I see older people and adults and moms and dads that give their heart to the Lord. But for the most case, 85% come to know Jesus as their Savior before they're 18 years old. 50% of the world's population, think about this, 50% of the world's population today is under 25 years old. What are we doing to reach this next generation? 3.5 billion people on the planet and of those 3.5 billion on the planet most are under the age of 20 you see we can't afford to miss out on opportunity to reach these young people we can't miss out on opportunity to take them to camp we can't take a, miss an opportunity to have a youth service, to have something for them. Why? Because if we don't reach them, the world is trying to reach them. They've got something going for them. Amen. They're gonna give, there's there's a, a new drug that just came out that, that's hitting the streets that is worse than heroin. And it's not only bad for the person doing it, it's dangerous for everybody around them because they go crazy. I'm telling you, the devil is amping up. That's, that was our theme of, of camp, is amp it up. Amen, to increase it, to excite it, amen, to move it forward. And I'm telling you, the enemy is amping up his attack on our young people. And the church has got to amp up our outreach to the young people. Ron Hutchinson, he's a, a youth speaker. He said young people are tormented by loneliness and saturated by sex and fascinated with the dark side of the supernatural. And uh, they're susceptible to suicide. And we cannot abandon them. We have got to step up. Amen. And stop saying this generation's lost. I don't believe that. Because I look at these young people right here. And I declare to them today, you are not a lost generation. You're a called generation. You're an anointed generation. And I just want you to know that I love you and that I'll be there for you and I'll even come visit you in jail when you do something stupid. Tyler said he wanted to go run with the bulls. And I said, well, you know, people, a lot of people do dumb stuff every day. And I just want you to know, me and Pastor Elias will be there for you. I'll come visit you in the hospital. Pastor Elias will preach your funeral. So you go right on. Go out there and run with them bulls. Just remember, when you run with the bulls, sometimes you get the horn. 
First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 22 and 23. I want to read to you a little bit of uh, scripture from Paul. Paul is a man of God. Paul, amen, was a zealous Jew. He knew, amen, what to do. And he studied and he learned and he did not like Christians. And he was out to destroy them. He put them in jail. He persecuted them. And one day God got a hold of him. A bright light shone, knocked him down, blinded him. And the Lord spoke to him and said, why are you Pushing and persecuting me. Why are you pushing against the pricks? Hey, Amen. That's, that's one of those gourds that they, the bulls they would have back there. And when they would, they, they would kick, it was a prick and it would hurt them. And so they wouldn't kick against it. You know? He said, why do you keep kicking against the thing that you need to do right? I'm trying to get you in the right direction. And uh, so he had a great conversion. From that, he began, I mean, God changed his life. He gave us two-thirds of the New Testament. But you know what? He had a passion, and he did not despise young people. He knew that he could reach that generation. I'm going to give you a few uh, keys from the, from the life of Paul and some things that I feel like uh, would help us. And the first, it's 1 Corinthians 9, 22, To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I became all things to all men, so that by... All possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. You see, Paul, number one, knew how to identify with the heartfelt needs of people. You've got to learn to listen to young people. Amen. They're expressing their need. They're telling you what they need. They're telling you their feelings. And you know what we tell them? Oh, that's no big deal. That's not real. That's done. Wait till you grow up. When you get big, you'll really understand. And so we're, we're, we're missing an opportunity when young people are crying out and, they, and they, they're, they're telling us what's going on and they're trying, but we're, but we're too uh, um, mature. Can I use that word? Paul said, I become weak to the weak so that I can win the weak. I don't try to be so high and mighty and know it at all. And I know how to humble myself. Too many of us talk a lot, but we don't uh, actually hear a lot. We don't actually feel the pain of other people. Before you start talking about facts, amen, you need to understand the feeling. You need to understand how to identify with their mindset to learn to be empathetic and understanding to their needs and their problems and what they're going through. Amen. Paul said it's for it's with the heart that we believe. Listen, you've got to have a heart for young people. I know there's some folks don't even like them. And you used to be one. I don't know, but all of you used to be a teenager. Do you remember that? I always try to remember when I disciplined my children. I try to remember where was I at at that age? How was I acting at that age? What was I doing? And that helped me when I was a kid and I was up in the attic playing and fell through the ceiling. I knew my daddy was going to kill me. And I got, a, I got a spanking, but it wasn't all that bad. And then later when I was older, he told me, well, son... When I was young and in revival, I was up in the attic chasing pigeons and fell through. See, he remembered that he did the same thing and he had mercy on me. We've got to, when these young people act up and act crazy and they do dumb stuff, you've got to remember that you used to also. And humble yourself and become weak so that you can reach the weak. Not, not just being all high and mighty all the time. 
Paul found non-religious ways to speak to his audience. You see, if we're too... Amy said, heavenly minded. You know, that's the saying, be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Really, I haven't seen many people like that. Most people are too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. But we got to not be so churchy when we're talking to young people. When you're out there dealing with teenagers and stuff. You know, know, have you been saved from what? They, They don't know what that means. You know, have you been washed in the blood? What? You're going to freak them out. I mean, you're talking, you're getting crazy now. They don't understand all that lingo. And we in the church, and we understand Jesus died on the cross. And later they'll understand all that. But we've got to talk, we, we've got to be able to come down on their level. I'm used to telling little kids that, you'll give them nightmares. We don't have to, we can't, we've got to understand how to reach a generation without being so churchy. But give them the truth. Paul wrote, he said, My message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and power. Amen. We, it's not just a matter of telling young people what to do. We need, I'm looking for somebody that will show them what to do. I'm looking for somebody that will be an example. You don't just have to get out there and tell them, because what we like to do, don't do as I do, do as I say. Can I tell you something? That has never worked in any generation. Parents have been saying that forever. And you know what kids do? What they, their parents did. You know. You're sitting up there smoking, telling your kids, don't smoke. You're sitting up there drinking, don't drink. You're sitting there cussing, don't cuss. What? No, no, no. They're going to do what they see you do. Paul used his God-given personality and gifts to reach people. You know, see, listen, you don't think you have to be something special or something. You, you don't have to be cool. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to dress like them and act like them and talk like them to reach them. Some people do that, you know. Some people dress up in weird costumes and do crazy dances and stuff. I don't know about those people. They're weird. <laughs> We've got to ask the Lord, Lord, give me the ability to reach young people and give me a heart for young people. Give me a heart for this generation. Give me a heart for people, period. Amen? Amen. Paul would pray today for the youth so he could connect with them and have a spiritual impact. Here's the deal. If you'd, you have compassion about the people you're praying for, do you ever pray for this generation? Do you ever pray for our teenagers? Do you pray for your own kids? And oh dear God is not a prayer. <laughs> OMG is not a prayer either. I'm talking about truly getting down and getting a compassion, getting a heart, getting a burden for these young people, looking at these kids and beginning praying, God, make them who you have called them to be. Protect them from the predators out there. Keep them from evil. Keep them from the hand of the enemy. Keep them from addiction. Keep them, amen, from all the things that's going. When is the last time you prayed for a teenager? When's the last time you complained about one? You saw in Walmart or somewhere out in the, Acting crazy, your own TV. And we look and go, that's just a shame. This lost generation. When's the last time you got down on your knees and said, God, touch their hearts? Oh, I'm preaching good now. 
<laughs> I know you're saying, come on, Pastor, preach something encouraging and something we can say amen to. That was last week. Paul would express his passion for youth and he would say, you know what, get involved emotionally with them. You, know, you, get, you, you, you don't just think that you can't work with young people without being passionate about young people. Now here's, here's I, I would say this, it's not everybody's cup of tea and if you don't like kids, please don't work with kids. Did anybody, is it just me, or did anybody ever have a teacher in school that you literally thought... They don't need to be teaching. They don't even like kids. Maybe it was just me they didn't like. Because I was mean. Maybe that was the deal. I don't know. But listen, if, if, if you're just mean and ornery and sour and grumpy, we'll go, go, go work at the nursing home. Because there's a lot of folks there like that. <laughs> no, they don't need you either being all that way anyway. They need people there loving them and encouraging them and blessing them too. Amen? But if you're going to work with young people, you need to have a passion for young people. You need to love them. And you need to not, you don't have to understand everything. You don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to lie. Listen, styles change, music changes. You say, well, I hate their music. Get some earplugs. You know, you don't have to always, every time you walk in their room, be screaming, turn it down. Turn. My parents didn't like my music. Their parents didn't like their music. You know, nobody, every generation is different. It's different. But different's not bad. It's just different. Now, the lyrics, if it's bad stuff, don't allow it. You don't have to allow stuff in your house. But we can't just always be down in them all the time. They're, listen, they're not, young people are not interested in our eloquence. They're not interested in, in, in how uh, well we communicate or how fancy our words are. I mean, what they're concerned about is if somebody cares about them. So ask the Lord to give you a passion for them. Paul, he had a, a sense of meaning and hope and inspiration. And young people often think life is pointless and there's no worth to it. That's why young people are committing suicide over and over and over. Why? Because they don't think there's any point to life. Amen. They look and they see people and they see parents and they see adults who have struggled there and they've never done anything and they've never been worth anything and they've always just, you know, they told them to do one thing but they've never done it and they look at life and they look at people and they look at the church and they tried that and they came to church and somebody just got on to them and got mad at them. And, you know, we told them, you know, turn that music down and stop doing that. And, and you know, we've got to instruct them. The Bible says if we, you know, guys, you know why we get on to you? It's because we love you. The Bible says whom he loves, he corrects. So when we see you do things wrong, we're going to correct you. But it's because we love you. But we've got to do it in love. Amen? Paul spoke with a, a talking about uh, to, to give hope to people. Amen. More than just telling them what they need and what they can do and can't. See, the, the young people already think the church is about do's and don'ts. It's all about rules and regulations. Somebody has got to show them some hope. Something worth living for. Paul found meaning and hope in his relationship with God. God had turned, changed his life. And he said, I know in whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he is able 
to keep me. And do you believe that God is able to keep them in a generation, amen, to where sin and perversion, amen, in the world is just going down, down, down. But I'm telling you, amen, God has had His hand on young people in every generation. And He's not going to stop in this generation. Paul gave people answers to their present problems. You know, Paul talked to Timothy. He told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. I tell you that today. Don't let anybody despise your youth and tell you just because you're young, you can't do anything. The Bible is full of young people, amen, that did great things for God. Amen, they just got out there and by faith. I mean, we see it all through the Word. David killed Goliath as a teenager. Amen, the three Hebrew children went in the fiery furnace as teenagers. Daniel in the lions and teenagers. All these guys that did some amazing things. Mary, amen, had our Lord and Savior as a teenager. And teenagers have always been impacting their generation. And these guys are going to be no different. Amen? Paul wrote and said, I've not given, you've not been given the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And we've got to begin to speak into the lives of these young people because the enemy is destroying their mind and their thinking. And I mean, it's, just, it's just distorting and taking the word of God and changing it. But I'm telling you, it's the church. It's, it starts in the home with the parents. We've got to begin to speak life into them and teach them the truth. Amen? You've got to help young people know how to gain freedom from fear and want and self-destructive tendencies. Amen. We can't just tell them, stop. Don't. Quit. Well, they want to stop. They, they don't want to do the things that they do. They just need somebody to show them how. Give them an alternative. Give them hope. You see, Paul went on, he, he said, he went out looking for the lost and the lonely and the hurting. Amen, he wasn't one to just sit back. Amen, he, he was speaking in, in Timothy's life. A lot of the young people, he was around him, he used them. He said, you know what, come on, help me, I'll show you. I'll be an example. He let them hang around and he showed them what to do and how to do it. I, I think about all the stuff that I know how to do. I learned most of it from my dad. I learned the hard way, a lot of it. Little of plumbing, little electrical, little this, little that. And I think there's times I still now, I think, man, I wish Dad was here. I'd like to ask him that. He'd know, he'd know how to do that. He'd know the answer to that question. But then I realized, but now I, I, I'm at the point where I've got to pass that on to my kids. I didn't do as well with them. Because I would just say, let me do it. And I'd just do it. Dad, uh, he was a a big guy. Because he loved to eat. Because he was a man of fasting. He fasted 40 days, 11 times in his life. Many 21 days and 10 days. He was a man of prayer and fasting. And he loved God and he would get down skinny. But then when he wasn't fasting, he did like to eat. And uh, he was a pretty big guy. And so uh, he couldn't crawl under that little cubby hole of that house. And so he would lay at the cubby hole and make me go under there. And he would lay out there and tell me what to do. Cut that pipe right there, do this. So I learned plumbing with him outside the house telling me how to do it. I didn't make my kids do that. I just crawl under there and do it. I should have made y'all do it. <laughs> but I did teach them how to do fun stuff. 
how to ride motorcycles, ride roller coasters, how to have fun. Paul, he presented a relationship instead of religion. Just about done. This is where we're at with this generation, church. We have got to teach these young people about relationship, not religion. See, that's the deal. We push in religion. Go to church, go to church, go to church, go to church, go to church. Listen, going to church don't make you a Christian. No more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. They've been to church. They didn't get anything. There was nobody there that cared. Nobody loved them. They got pushed aside. They didn't get to get involved. Not not every church is like that. Our church is not like that. But for the most part, they're not accepted. They look weird. Y'all look weird. Did you know that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But teenagers nowadays, they come in and their hair is different colors. They've got holes all in places that God didn't put holes. They're covered in tattoos and their clothes don't look like what you wore. And, and so because of all that, we go, <gasps> when inside, they're just like you and I and they're hurting and they, they need loving and they, they, they're, they're not needing a speech and they're not needing some religious rule. What they're needing is a relationship with Jesus. Because the outward does not matter. God said, I don't look on the outward appearance as man does. I look on the heart. So don't judge somebody by the way they look on the outward. Amen. Know that inside they're just like you. And they're hurting and they're lost. And they need somebody to love them. And to tell them that they matter in this generation. And that somebody cares about them. And there's somebody who died for them and loves them. They need to know about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just a bunch of rules and regulations. Paul did not teach religion. He taught relationship. And that's what we've got to do in this generation if we're going to reach the teenagers. The last thing I want to talk to you about is Paul put the message, even in his generation, in a package that was attractive. You see, the, the, the devil, this is amazing. The devil's good at marketing. I mean, the hell has an amazing marketing department because you see they market guilt and disappointment and regret and death and hell and they make it look really good and it's appealing and people want it we have eternal life we have Jesus that's the way the truth and the life we have heaven And we're very bad at marketing it. We make it seem boring and old and who would want that? So we've got to to come back. I'm not talking about gimmicks. I'm not talking about all the... I'm just talking about being being real. Coming to with these young people and with, with the truth, but in a way that they understand. In a way... That's, you know, we, we, we laugh, uh, and, you know, I mean, we've, we've moved on, but we, we, we still, we, we laugh sometimes, we talk about, uh, how many remembers the flannel board? 
How many of you teachers? Y'all used to use them. I know. I, I did. I mean, I did. You know. I mean, and we had the little, we had the little characters, and we stick it on the flannel board, and we would tell the story, you know, of Jesus. We tell all the story of the little flannel board things. Listen, we've got these kids now, two and three years old. I mean, playing video games. The technology, the graphics are unbelievable. These kids are so technological. I mean, their minds work on a different level. And then they come to church and we want to show them a flannel board presentation. And they're like, no, that does not excite them at all. I used to get excited over a flannel board. I love to see the, the little Jesus in the little boat and the little waves and, you know, the little fluffy sheep sticking on there. But see, I told these young people they couldn't even believe it. When I was in high school, there was no internet. No internet. They couldn't believe it. They, they, they have never lived without internet. There was no cell phones. They don't even know what that's like. They all have smartphones. They're connected to the world at the touch of the button. I told them I had to stop and call my mama on a payphone. They don't even know what a payphone is. You see, we, we've just, we've got to reach this generation, but we've got to come up. See, some, some, there's a lot of moms and dads who don't have a clue what Twitter is or how Facebook works or how, you know, how anything like that. Listen, I'm not saying you need to use it. You just need to understand it because when these guys are talking, it's like they're talking a foreign language. You say, Pastor, I don't understand it. Get your grandkid. If he's three, he can tell you. He can show you how to post, how to tweet, how to do all that stuff. I don't even know how to do it all. I have to ask Elias. Here's what Paul did. Here's how he did. He found common ground to those he ministered to. He found similar goals and interests and activities. He avoided condescending attitudes but humbled himself. I'm telling you, we live in a generation to where we are so condescending to our young people and our teenagers and we're telling them all the bad stuff they do and blah, 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 blah. Why don't, who is going to lift them up? Who's going to encourage them? Who's going to tell them how awesome they are? Our young people need to walk out of church feeling like they can take the world for Jesus. Not come in here going, well, pastor said when I'm 40, I could do something for Jesus, so... I guess I'll just go out with my friends and in the world and do crazy stuff until then. Oh, listen, they can do something today. Amen. Come help me. I'll let you. I had to mop the uh, toilet water up this morning. I'll help you, let you work for Jesus. Come on. Y'all didn't know pastors did that, did you? Did stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I get here early on Sunday mornings. Stuff's always flooded or this, you know. I'm trying to, trying to study and get ready. I mean, they're mopping up toilet water. Do you know what I was thinking about when I was doing it? You know what toilet, paper, toilet water and sewer make me think of? Teenagers. <laughs> I was thinking about y'all. How I was going to preach and encourage y'all today. No, I'm just playing. Paul never had a condescending attitude. He never was superior. He always humbled himself. He made others feel accepted for who they are. You know, Jack Kemp said this, and we've heard this saying all the time. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
Just start telling young people that you care about them. Start listening to them, what they're talking about. When we go to these camps, we go to these places, you listen to these kids and you find out they're from terrible situations, homes where there's violence, they're being abused, they're being hurt. I mean, the young people are living in terrible situations and then they come to church and they, they got a smile on their face and you never know it. Listen, you get to know them, pray for them. If when the Lord puts you on their heart, talk to them and listen. It don't take you very long because kids, they'll tell you. I love kids. That's one of the reasons I love kids. <laughs> I'm going to tell on Dale and Tracy. Because they, they weren't always such good, holy Christian people. They used to live right across the street. And their kids would come, come to church every week. I'd walk them over here. They'd sit right here. Rachel would get right on that front pew. And she'd turn around and put her arms up on the back. And she'd just look at everybody. And they would come in. This little bitty. And they would, Pastor... Pray for mom and daddy. They're fighting again. What they've been doing? Oh, they tell me everything they've been doing. Listen, your kids come to kids' church. They come to camp. They come here and they tell us everything you're doing at home. We know what you've been watching. We know what you've been listening to. We know where you've been going. Because kids have no filter. And they don't think nothing about telling all your business. I love kids. I get a lot of my information about moms and dads from kids. And I don't even have to talk to them. I just listen to them talking to one another. Just hang out back in the back and just eavesdrop. I eavesdrop on kids all the time. You find out some good stuff. Some stuff I didn't even want to know. Paul developed a loving and trusting relationship with the people he ministered to. Here's the deal. If you'll get to know these kids, if you'll come on Wednesday nights, when we need sponsors. We need people just to be here. We, there's kids everywhere as soon as school's out. We need people just to hang out with them and sit out there and play with them. You know what? We just need people to get to know them. And you'll find out how awesome they really are. He was sensitive to their needs and concerns. And he didn't care about their background. He didn't care about anything. He looked for opportunities to tell them about Jesus. Here's the deal. You're not going to just walk up to a young person and just start telling them, You need Jesus. You're going to hell. Because you're doing this and this and this. I mean, they're just going to shut you out and shut you down and they don't want to have nothing to do with you. Listen, what you've got to do, you've got to begin to build relationship with them and get to know them and build some respect. Here, here's the thing. Let me just tell you this to everybody. Parents, church... And this goes to every Christian. Don't try to answer questions that they're not asking. See, they're not even asking questions about that yet. They're just wanting to know if somebody's going to feed them. They're hungry. They're tired. They're sad. They're hurt. They're... And you, you just meet that need... And then you'll have opportunity pretty soon. They'll begin to ask the questions about church and God and Jesus and your testimony and all that. But don't go just trying to tell, giving people answers to questions they're not even asking because they don't want to know. That wasn't even in the notes. That was free. But we do that a lot. Wait till people ask the question and then when they ask, tell them. But just get to know them first. Love them first. Show them that you care. Show them that you're, you're interested in their life. 
It was a Sunday evening in London many years ago. William Booth, the director and the one that came up with the, the Salvation Army. He was walking with his son. His son's name was Bramwell. He called him Willie. Bramwell was about 12 or 13 years old. They'd come out of church. His father took him to a saloon. This teenager was just shocked and taken back. As they walked in, he saw men and women there that their faces were marked with devices and crime. And I mean, there was, they were drunk and the smell of alcohol was just permeating the place. William Booth looked at his son and said, Son, these are our people. These are the people I want you to live for and to bring to know Christ. I don't know about you, but the Salvation Army has helped more hurting down and out and lost people. And they still are doing a great work reaching the homeless and the hurting. Bramwell wrote in a book years later, he said, That impression never left me. But see, here's what we do to our teenagers and to our kids and because we're trying to protect them. We look at the world. We look at the sinners. We look at the lost. We look at the homeless, somebody on the corner. We look at them and we tell them, don't have nothing to do with them. They're bad. God hates them. They're going to hell. And they grow up with no compassion for the lost. No desire. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We, we, we've told them that those people are bad and God doesn't love them and they're going to hell. And... But who's going to tell this next generation that God wants to raise you up to be missionaries, to go to those places and deliver people? He, to tell you he wants to be pastors and, and teachers and leaders. I mean, these young people, they go around the world and change. They're going to feed the hungry and save the sick. And, I mean, right now, we, the, the, one of the biggest things is the sex traffic industry. Young girls are being stolen literally from places and sold. It's happening every day. And there's people going in and risking their lives and delivering these young people out of these situations listen we have got to begin to speak into the lives of young people amen and show them yes there's people out there that are bad yes there's people out there that they don't they don't have good intentions for you but have compassion for the lost they're who Jesus died for amen you know who Jesus died for every one of these teenagers sitting here you and every person lost out there in the world Let's go get them. Here's the deal. Thank God for these young people. They come to church. Most teenagers will never darken the door of a church. Where are you going to get them? Out there. So when you see them, next time you see a teenager that maybe you're a little scared of, <laughs> Ooh, I don't know about them. Why don't you pray for them? Why, why, why don't you just go up to them, tell them how awesome you think they are and how much Jesus loves them and then how they have a purpose in life. Everybody condemns them. Everybody tells them they're lost and they're hopeless. But who's going to go out there and give them some hope? I, for one, want to be 
one to do that. Amen. I know this has been a different, uh, a little different sermon, but I just want to stay in the flow. These young people had just had such a great experience, but they come home, and as Sister Amy said it, they come home on fire, and mom and dads get out the fire extinguisher. They come into the church, and they're on fire, and we tell them, sit down. Oh, come on. Listen, where, where's somebody, let's, let's get the gasoline out. Next time you see a young person on fire, throw some gas on them. <laughs> let's, let's let them burn. Not literally. I'm not throw no gas on you. Listen, let's stoke the fire. Let's encourage them. Let's tell them you can do it. Let, let's, let's, let's just pour love on them. Amen? Father, thank you. For these teenagers, thank you. I used to be one and I made it out alive. And they will too. And they're going to become great moms and dads and leaders. Lord, I'm looking at some doctors and some lawyers. I'm looking at some, some life changers. I'm some pastors and teachers and some missionaries. And I thank you, Lord, they're going to go on. I'm looking at some multimillionaires. They're going to go into business and they're going to change the world. They're going to feed the hungry. They're going to reach the lost. They're going to make a difference in their generation. I know there was probably many that didn't think that I would amount to anything. But I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And through Jesus, you changed my life. And I want to see their lives changed in the same way. Help moms and dads love their kids and pour their life into them. Help grandparents pour their lives into young people. Let us be relevant. Let us understand what they're going through and let us be compassionate let us be passionate about them Father I thank you for these young people I'm going to ask every single teenager in this house to stand up wherever you're at if one of you teenagers are here today and I'm saying this to every mom and dad the greatest thing you can do as a parent is give your heart to Jesus as a grandparent give your heart to Jesus But if you're here today and you're a teenager, you have not accepted Jesus in your heart. You're not living the way you need to live. You're hanging around the wrong people. You're doing the wrong stuff. You're going to get... Listen, your life is worth more than that. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He loves you. Don't allow the enemy to destroy your life. Say no to the world and the devil and all of his junk. Say yes to Jesus today. Make a decision to follow Him and He'll change your life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want you to just pray with me. Every young person, pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for giving me life. Jesus, I've sinned. But today, I ask You to forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. Help me make good decisions. Take away pain, loneliness, depression, fear, anger. All the things that our generation is suffering from. Jesus, you're my answer. I want to do what you want me to do.
I want to fulfill my purpose in this generation. And I start today. I want every adult in here just to stretch your hands out toward these kids. This is going to be the first, but it's not going to be the last time that you pray for these kids. Many of you pray for them all the time. But let this be the first time that God puts a compassion and a passion on your heart to see them successful. And not just them, but every teenager alive. Come on, just begin to pray. Ask God to touch them. Some of you have grandkids standing here. Kids, what do you want, you, what do you want God to do in their life? You may not even know any of them here. But God can speak to you about praying for one of them. He may give you words of wisdom to come up and give them some time. and Just speak life into them. Thank you, Lord. Young people, what's it feel like to know that people all around you are praying for you right now and calling your name and asking God to bless you? Asking God to protect you? Does it feel good to know people around you love you and care about you? Yeah. We do love you. Father, I just thank you one more time. With all these moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. and Lord, they may not know a kid here, but right now our faith is stretched out toward them and we're believing the best for their life. And I just thank you for great revival breaking out across the nation for the youth. And I thank you they're going to be involved in it. Today I call them blessed. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen.